This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! This is episode 126 of the Valiant Central Podcast with Martin and Paul. Yeah! We are gathered here today, Paul, to talk about Valiant Comics. Did you know that? Have you heard of them? I heard something about them. I hear there's not enough penis in them for Image fans. That's true. There's no boobs, no ass, no cock. It's a shame, really. They might sell more comics if they did. Yeah, I mean, what are all the Image fans going to get? I mean, books with great stories? That's not what they're after. Books that come out on schedule? It's ridiculous. You want irregular books... With massive erections. <laughs> Some people do like that, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> we were just talking about that on the pre-show. For anyone interested, I was talking about Monica from somebody in Gillen March. And there's some nakedness in there. Penises are literally the most disgusting thing ever made. I do not know how women put up with us. I agree. I totally agree. Anyways, we're not here to talk penis, regardless of what some people think. We're here to. We're talk trying to win over the image fans to our podcast. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, then we can't come out every Friday, Paul. I told you. <laughs> we need to do like three episodes and then wait a couple weeks, and then put out an episode and take like a six-month hiatus. Yeah. And then have two years where it's supposed to come out every month but get pushed back because the artist is uh, too drunk or some shit. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Have you heard of this store called Target? No. Is that like Target? Yeah, they have this brand called Archer Farms uh-huh. or Archer Farms, if you will. <laughs> uh, they have these balsamic vinegar and sea salt cashews that kick ass. Really? I'm eating those right now. I normally don't eat when we podcast because most things are too noisy, but cashews are not. Interesting. I usually just drink while I podcast because uh, <clears throat> yeah. then I can pretend like I was pouring wine instead of peeing. <laughs> you see how that goes? Um, I don't have much to talk about. There's not much happening, Paul. Let's be real. Let's be real. There's nothing happening. Valiant's dead. It's done. Uh, they did announce this uh, Divinity Zero. But I was looking at the, the solicit for it, and there's no description. And to be honest with you, the description doesn't have me very excited. I don't know if you took a look at it. I know you avoid solicitations. But uh, yeah, it's like uh, join Abrams as he journeys through the Valiant universe. Take a peek at the, uh, at the characters. This is a guided tour of Valiant. And I was like, eh, okay. It's an interesting thing to do to give people who are new to it something to read. That'll be kind of an introduction. Kind of like uh, this this Rye book we're getting coming up, right? We're getting a Rye Zero. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, that that just based on the description you just told me, because I actually hadn't seen that before, but I was wondering. That's what it sounds like. Hey, check out this book. It's just a story that kind of gives you a, you know, cross-section of what's going on kind of a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. It makes sense. I mean, I I wouldn't expect it to be super exciting for people who have read everything. Sure. I mean, Valiant's been coming out for, what, five years? Uh, Yeah, five years, what, last week? And and since they, uh, let's see, I don't know. I mean, they don't publish nine books a month, and they didn't start with that. Uh, I don't know. Say that five years, that's 60 months. And just say an average of six books a month. Does that sound about right? Nowadays, yeah, six or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll say seven. It probably averages out to about seven books a month over sixty months. That's forty-two hundred. No, four hundred twenty books, right? Sure. So you and I have read like four hundred twenty issues of Valiant. Mm-hmm. Plenty of other people have too. Uh, yeah, so a book that's like, oh, yes, and, and this is this character. That's not going to appeal to us, but somebody who's just coming into it. That's why I loved the series The Valiant, is it appealed to me as somebody who had read everything. But it was really good for me to give that to people and say, hey, check this out. It's a great story. It's contained. 
and it introduces you to a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. So this is just it's a different way of going about that. It sounds like to me. So whatever you know. Yeah, I guess it'd be okay. And really, I'm just arguing semantics because they're calling it a Divinity Zero. And just from the description, it doesn't seem like a Divinity book. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they're watering down the Zero designation lately. I think overall, though, right? Not just Valiant, just comics in general. Mm-hmm. The Zero doesn't really mean much anymore. That's kind of what happens, too. Over time, you know, the, the value of something gets kind of ground into dust and then, you mm-hmm. know, shoved up Rada's ass. Boom. See? We even have valiant puns. Hmm. The hmm. point is, Dysart writes our jokes. He does. That's what we have the best jokes. The greatest jokes. Anyways, we're not going to do Trump jokes. Um, the only thing I really want to talk about tonight was this... Uh, the Harbinger preview came out for Harbinger 5. <sighs> I don't know, Paul. So all right. So normally, again, you don't you don't look at previews, you resolicit. So you probably haven't seen this. Uh, but normally, when we get solicited previews, it's images, right? Like if it's super early, they'll do unlettered pages, um, either black and white or you know colored or whatever. And then as it gets gets closer to release date, they'll actually do lettered previews. So the first previews of Harbinger Five came out, and as you know, that's going to be the start of the massacre arc where they're killing faith right remember that anyways um well they have that retail advisory like uh what's what's the cover say i can't even remember now something like warning graphic content inside graphic violence something like that yeah then they have in parentheses but not as graphic as image (laughs) but no penis (laughs) <laughs> that, that should be the episode title, but we might get pulled off iTunes. Um, anyway, so these preview pages aren't actual art pages. They are images of Rafer's script. Yeah, severely edited down. I'm looking at it right now, actually, looking at the email. Um, it's it's an interesting approach. I mean, they're clearly leaving words that make you expect this to be pretty graphic. Um, so they, they better, they better pay up. That's all I got to say. So that, that was going to be my point because normally like if you, if you look at preview images, you kind of know maybe what you're getting into. Obviously you're not getting the whole comic, but from the few pages that you see, you kind of know what you're getting into. Um, with this book, I'm not sure how I feel about this type of marketing. Uh, I generally feel that Valiant's very smart with their marketing even when it sometimes backfires, like we saw with uh, the Book of Death stuff. Um, but I think overall, the marketing is very smart. Um, the initiatives that they undertake are smart. Sometimes they're, you know, stuff they used to do in the 90s, like the Value Validated series and gold books and things like that. Um, but having previews of a script so severely edited like this really, really worries me. Um, and it worries me as a fan. So for somebody that never read this book, they might be like, well, why are they blocking all this crap out? And that might intrigue them, maybe. Um, but for me as a longtime fan, it kind of pisses me off, to be honest with you. Because now there's going to be so much buildup from this that if I read the book and it's not a 10 out of 10 and knocks my socks off, I'm going to be like, fuck this shit, I'm done. See, I, I don't think it necessarily has to be a 10 out of 10 book. It has to... This is a high bar for this needs to surprise me. It needs to shock me. They're setting a really high bar with that. Um, so like this, page 13, uh, over the course of five panels, these are all the words you get. Uh, rifle, coming into a pain... Detonation, hitting, trigger, surprise. Hello, I, we'd meet again. Yep. <laughs> um, that was, okay, so here's the one that really is pushing it. Page 12, panel 4. That's the one I was looking Throat at. Throat wide, blood with, cold as ice, eyes like, killing machine, tragic. That it's, it's That's setting a very high bar. So, and they obviously are putting a lot of, effort into this 
you know, they, they did four issues of Renegade and then they stalled it to make sure this came out when they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. They've been hyping this. They've been building this. So they're expecting this to, you know, to clear a high bar. So, I mean, we'll just we'll see. Like now this is really where if, if you don't clear this high bar, it's going to be a failure for people like you and I that have, uh, you know, read over 400 issues of the current Valiant and that sort of thing. Sure. And I mean, you and I really like the first arc of Harbinger Renegade, unlike some other people, right? So it's not like we're coming in this already not liking it. I just kind of wish they never would have released this. You know, like, if you want to do some kind of tease and you don't want to show us what it is, I would have much rather seen, like, a blurred out image or something. I would have been okay with that. Yeah, that's actually what I expected. I didn't open the email until you just started talking about it. Then I opened it to see what the hell you were talking about. Um, yeah, it's I, – I don't know. Like one thing that's changed nowadays with uh, the internet and social media and everything getting out so early um, is it doesn't work the same anymore for you to like have a legitimate surprise and have people come month after month for a comic um, – hoping that there's going to be something that just knocks their socks off because stuff just gets out too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the way storytelling in comics works is pretty relatable to the way storytelling in like wrestling works. You almost never get that anymore now in wrestling. Now it's like they hype the crap out of everything. Um, so you don't get that surprise. Like, you know, back in the day, it's like, you'd be surprised when suddenly somebody would show up, you'd be like, Holy crap, that's that guy. He, he, what's he doing here? You know, mm-hmm. uh, when, when WCW and WWF were like at their major wars with each other, they did tons of that stuff. And it was huge because they legitimately had people going, why is that guy that works for WWF here? And the way they presented it was great. They can't really do it's so rare anymore because they have to put so much effort into protecting any little secret like that. So it's the same thing with comics. So it's like now you have to advertise what's coming so people are going to buy it because otherwise they're not going to – there's much less of a chance of it hitting and getting that word of mouth hype uh, that it would have gotten before. You know, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's like I get get why they do it, but it also kind of sucks because – if you're hyping it up to get the sales, you're setting your bar really high. If you don't meet what you're aiming for, then it's a huge letdown. And if you let down you and me, you know, that we we go into it liking this series. So maybe we're kind of like, okay, this doesn't make us overly enthusiastic, but it's not like it also kills us on it. Mm-hmm. But then you get the naysayers, which we know there are naysayers about the series. And if they hype this up and they fail, then those naysayers are going to just do everything they can to drag it down, which, uh, you know, they may have not liked it in the first place, but hey, they're still buying it. So, you know, what is that saying? Sure. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, what impact is that going to have on the other people, the fringe people that are listening to them, you know, new fans or people who don't buy everything and they're on the fence about stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Are they going to listen to them? Are they going to listen to us? But the thing is, is if we're just bland on it, we're not saying anything. So all you're getting is the negative feedback. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and I don't know. It just it, it just seems so weird. Final order cutoff for this is June 19th. Uh, the book's out July 12th. So, I mean, there's still plenty of time to order it. Um, I'm not sure, like, what kind of buzz they're looking for. Because, I mean, I've seen this posted on the groups and on Twitter and everywhere, and I haven't seen, like, a, a giant response from it um, one way or the other. So I don't know if people necessarily care. Um, it just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm curious if it rubbed anybody else the wrong way. Because um, it, it really sets the bar very, very high. And I know that Rafer is very excited. Um, I, I briefly talked to him about it at SC Comic Con. He's very excited about the arc. Um, it seems like all the Valiant folks are. They're keeping like a super tight lid on what actually happens in this arc. Uh, nobody knows except like Rafer. I'm assuming just whoever's involved directly in the book, right? Uh, so uh, Dinesh, Rafer, um, Derek, who's writing it. I'm not sure who's doing the colors. I think in your dollhouse, maybe. You mean um, Derek's drawing it? Derek's drawing it, yeah. 
Um, so, you know, like, and probably the letterer, Sharp or Lanfear. And that's probably it. You know, nobody else knows what, what's happening in this book. And I think that's fine um, that they're keeping it so tightly, uh, I don't know, close to their chest. And that that's fine, but I, I really hope it works out. I really hope it works out. Um, the the alpha thing that they discussed, um, I think I had it in the panel. It's in the panel. Uh, just check back a few episodes uh, where they talk about it. And if you got the free comic book day book, there's an image of the alpha uh, at the end. The Harbinger Wars 2 teaser has a picture of the alpha. Um, and it's uh, Louis LaRosa art. And he had the original pages there uh, for, for that character. Oh, my God, dude. Like, it looks great in that teaser image. If you see the black and white pencils, holy shit. Um, anyway, like I said, I hope it works out. Um, if you disagree with me or agree, let me know at GeekFun. I'll be more than happy to argue with you about it. Um, we'll, we'll I think this is the kind of thing, though, that'll, that'll go under more people's radar, really, than catching attention. Um, but then why do it? Because they know that I'm going to talk about it on a VCP and get angry about it? Well, they they always, I mean, for every book, they, they give us some kind of preview. So they're not going to give us preview images. They can't give us, like, the full script. I guess you, you could say this makes sense. If they're going to give us some sort of preview, I don't know. I Like, I, I don't know. Like, you said earlier that you would rather they gave us, like, a blurred out image or something. Mm-hmm. It might give too much away. Um, Dude, the the script they posted is pages 10 through 13. So, I mean, just just show me the usual. Page 1, 2, 3. You know? Or don't show me shit. I don't care. Well, you didn't have to look at the email. Really? No, yeah, there. They didn't show you anything if you don't look at it. God, Paul. You're the worst. Problem solved. I'm the best. I just solved all your problems. You're the worst. These cashews are delicious. They sound delicious. Yeah, they are. Is that, from our, new, okay, is that from our new sponsor? Yep. Awesome. Who'd Archie you, Farms. Archie Farms. <laughs> Archie <Yeah>. Farms. <laughs> this is a. It's a new. Uh, it's a new uh, food line founded by the Archies. <laughs> oh, now Adam Alamo's got to go get him. <laughs> Not that Archie. Archer's Archies. <laughs> yeah, he just heard Archie. Now he's got to get him. Yes, because Adam must eat Archie. Yes, it's true. He'll make a hamburger out of it. Uh, April sales came out. Not so good, but expected. Um, I was pretty surprised with Britannia. I did like 10,000 copies for the first issue. Uh, And I think that's pretty damn good for that series. Did you read that first issue? Yeah, I thought it was very good. Uh, I was talking to Dewan about it. Mm -hmm. He was asking what I thought of it before I read it. Um, and he was very eager to get my feedback. And I told him, I'm expecting this to be better than what I thought of the first series. Because the first series, I liked the promise of it. But the story and the execution, I just felt it, it was it was unspectacular. It just kind of like, okay, that was a story. Mm. Um, so with this one, I wanted much better. Like I wanted th- – that really felt like, okay, we're we're trying this out and seeing what it is. Well, now you know what it is, so don't waste time on that. Like make it something good. Um, and I, I think this is so much more uh, along the lines of what I wanted out of this, I guess. Yeah. I thought this, it was a very exciting first issue. It was, uh, yeah, it was, I, I think it's a lot, it's, it was so much better than the first series. Well, and you, that's know, not you know what it was, though? The, the yeah. first series had a lot to set up. And there were so many things we had never seen before that it was hard to fully get into the story without trying to figure out who yeah. the characters were at the same time and now you know who everyone is so really you can yeah. concentrate on the story yeah i just thought the first story was a little bit lame i mean look at the the first divinity they had to set a lot of stuff up the first issue of divinity you didn't know what the hell was going on the whole damn time hmm. at all like, i was almost disappointed when the second issue uh uh, valiant characters actually showed up and the, the story started coming together and making sense because the first issue was so beautiful I didn't care if I didn't know what was going on yeah yeah um but as the series progressed like you you the, the you know the groundwork was laid really well but it was really engaging now the second series was able to take that and then really jump 
a lot harder into a story, which is like what's happening with Britannia. I just, you know, some of the the complaints that some people had about the first series of Britannia, I, I agree with. It's billed as like the the first detective, mm-hmm. and all it is is magical bullshit, and he doesn't really do much of anything to cause a resolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it uh, it's it's not that it was a bad story. It just wasn't anything that special. Mm-hmm. But it, it set up, it set the scene, you know, set the world and all that stuff. So now that's why I think the second one, like, it was able to take that and really run with it. Uh, because if, you know, if the first one wasn't successful, I'm assuming the second one probably wasn't going to happen. Sure, right. Although it came close enough on the tails that you can bet that it was already in the work. So, I, you know, I, I don't know if the first one really tanked, if they would have just buried this. Or if they would have sheepishly put it out, you know, yeah, maybe no, I... uh, not in prestige format anymore. I don't know, but uh... <laughs> I think I think it still would have come out. Um, yeah, but... they had to have already been producing it. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think it, about... it, it seems pretty obvious from the way the story goes that Peter Milligan already has a few of these written down. You know, yeah. So it's just a matter of actually getting them published. Yeah, you know, I, I said before the first Britannia that Peter Milligan had an incomplete grade for me as far as Valiant goes because his Shadow Man was a mess, but it also he didn't really get a fair starting point. Mm-hmm. And then that Eternal Warrior little story he did was just meh, completely just yeah, meh, right, you know, right. it wasn't bad, but you know, so I just like I felt incomplete, like having that Shadow Man not be solid enough. I didn't feel like it was fair to really say where I thought he ranked. Sure. After Britannia, he was just a solid B player at that point. So this Britannia too is his chance to like, if he's an A lister, you got to show it now, mm-hmm. because you know I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not failing you yet. <laughs> you're not failing. You know, you, you're you're just a solid B. You know, you, you work real hard, do all your homework. You know, you'll 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 pass. You know. Yeah, and may, maybe I give him a little bit of a pass in that first series because I, I've I've always been a big fan of him from back in the day, you know. So yeah, um, see, I have nothing. Yeah, exactly, to, exactly. You know, and it, the stuff that I know that he's done, none of it, it, it. Even if I read it, none of it would sell me on him because none of it is is one of the, you know one of those things that kind of blow you away. I'm trying to think of somebody else that would be a good example of where you take the past stuff and. You know, you're just like, well, they did this, you know, so that kind of boosts them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a writer in regards to Valiant, but uh, I don't know, like a, a guy we talked last week about, uh, Bill Sinkovich, Sinkovich, to say his name correctly. Sinkovich. Fuck his name. <laughs> Fuck his name. Fuck you. Fuck Chris. Uh, if you don't have a pronunciation guide, you don't deserve to have it pronounced right. Um it just takes practice. Anyways, uh, I didn't know who he was before he started doing that backup story in, in TMNT Universe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he was, a, you know, he, he was a legend already. So it didn't take much looking to be just be like, okay, I'm going to go from like say, you know, ground zero and judging this guy based on nothing to know, you know, to judging him from a point where I know that he's a legend and is well established, and. You look at it differently, you know. I look at his artwork and I liked it anyways, but I look at it and, and I'm thinking, you know, what about this is more special than what other people do, you know? And you're sure. trying to learn from it, and get a little bit more out of it that way. Yep. Um, you know, he did that one Savage. Well, he might have done multiple Savage covers, but there's one cover that I really loved with the the T Rex, um, and it was just it was amazing, you know. And and just those things together, like it heightens it. Milligan. You know, the, the stuff that he's done before, it may have been good work. It may have been stuff that people, who, when they read it, love it. But nothing that I look at screams legend to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more like he's always been a, a solid creator. Sure. But that doesn't that doesn't sell me on anything because I, don't, I have no connection to any of his prior works. Hey, this is a minor tangent. Um, did, have you seen Legion on FX? No. Okay. No. I meant to look this up because they have um, Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz have writing credits for that series. So I don't know if they're directly involved in it or it's just like, I, uh, hey, you guys I are wonder involved if it's, in the comics. They, they, I, I bet it's something like because they, they were involved in creation yeah. uh, that they, they're getting like consulting kind of credits in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that might be it. 
Yeah, because I mean Claremont. Any, I mean, so much stuff involved with X Men. Claremont's going to have been somebody who had a big hand in uh, creating it. So yeah. did uh, did Sinkovich, uh do X Men? Um, he did. What was it? I think he did some of the New Mutant stuff. Okay. Which is where Legion popped in. Yeah, I haven't gotten any of that stuff yet. I'm still, I'm back in, I'm still in Claremont stuff, but it's still like the Burn Claremont stuff. Yeah, I got you. Dude, that series has a lot of that Sinkevich look to it. It's so weird. Um, it's awesome. You should see that. I know it's not Valiant. It's Marvel. But you know what? It's awesome. Go watch it. Um, so that's good. I think it might have also helped that... Uh, well, you know what? Now that I'm looking at it, maybe not. I was going to say, they came out the same day as XO2. And maybe that gave it a little sales bump. But looking at the well, first series... Um, I don't see that because the first series it started off at nineteen thousand, and then by issue four it was eighty five hundred. This one sold ten thousand three hundred and eighteen copies on the first issue, so it might just be people that like the first one coming back for the second one. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, what else do you expect? Uh, so, what, what did XO two sell? All right, so the official diamond number is nineteen thousand four hundred and seventy one, but if you remember from last month's discussion 30,000 copies are pre-order bundles so that would put it at almost 50,000 copies which is pretty damn good see that makes that pre-order bundle pretty significant now i mean the pre-order bundle is much greater than the sales otherwise that's that's uh that's pretty once they get through this whole three issues i'm sure they'll go back and you know brag about the numbers and stuff it'll be interesting to see how it all looks I haven't heard like official sale through numbers, but I heard they were pretty high. Um, the book is returnable though, some of it. So I mean, there's going to be returns on it regardless. But uh, I think I think even then the number's pretty strong. I, and you're right, that pre-order bundle is really where it's at, dude. That's why I'm not surprised they're doing it with Secret Weapons and uh, the, the next EXO arc. Um, yeah, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, a couple of numbers I would like you to look up if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, what did Divinity Number One sell, and what did Divinity Two Number One sell? Uh, let's see. Oh God, that's going to be a little further back. Let me go and just look it up. You know what I need to While do? you look that up, I need to add like a, a, a title and date filter on the sales page. Yeah, you do. Instead of just a month filter. All right. Divinity 1, number 1. And then you said the other one was what? Divinity 2? Mm-hmm. Divinity 2, number 1. All right. Divinity 1, number 1, was 12,079 copies. And that was that went through a whole bunch of reprints. It went through a lot of reprints because they severely um, underprinted that book. Um, does that number include the reprint, or is that just first print? It just includes the first print. Okay. First and what about number two? Well, you know, A and Bs. Uh, number yeah. two, number one, was 19,601. That's kind of what I expected. So yeah. it, it just goes to show the difference between Divinity was a series that it it was kind of groundbreaking for what Valiant does. Uh and being something new and original, the presentation was fantastic, um, and it caught people off guard. I mean, I sold that uh, just an A cover first printing of number one for forty bucks, which I think is the highest it went for. It's come back down to earth since then, but no, nobody like everybody slept on it, and it was a smack in the face, and it drew so much attention to it that Divinity Two which it's not going to have that kind of retail value to it, did better than Divinity 1 first print did by 7,000 copies. Yeah, roughly. But again, that's, yeah, not, by... that's not including the reprints, though. And I don't, there, you never get sale numbers for the, re, the, uh, the second printing or third, fourth, whatever. I mean, did Divinity yeah, have they... like six different printings, you know? Yeah, so, so I mean, they sold a lot of copies of it, but still, if you're looking at going into it, sure. they sold 12,000 copies because everybody slept on it yes and then it, it was such a smack in the face they they had to reprint it five more times sell a bunch more copies caught all kinds of fire on the secondary market 
Mm-hmm. When you go into Divinity 2, people are just buying it. And Divinity 2, number one, A cover, it's not worth anything special. Sure. But people were buying it because they they got smacked around, woken up by Divinity 1. Uh, so it just, you know, people were sold on the series, the quality of the series, the buzz on the series, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. With Britannia, you're going the other way where the, you know, the number one sells you know, significantly less by the second series because now it's just the people that are like, oh, I like that. So I'm going to get it again, yeah, but right, it's dwindling. Right. Like, you know, it is t- typically the direction you'd see. Yep. And then the third series did about 16,000 for the first issue. See, that's still pretty impressive too. I mean, if you look at Britannia went from 19 to 10 mm-hmm. uh, and divinity went from 12 to 19 to 16. Yep. That's pretty impressive. That is good. That means that there's genuinely 16,000 people reading that book. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it averages out to. Um, other than that, I mean, sales are pretty low, but that's kind of expected. Uh, there's only six books out. You know, I think there was a one-shot in there. Um, there was like one book coming out per week. Um, so I, I was kind of expecting that. I don't think anything else did like over six or 7,000 copies. Um, so all pretty low. And uh, I don't, I don't really see sales for this month being much higher either. To be honest with you. Yeah, this is a couple of weird months before the summer stuff happens, basically. Yep. Well, uh, Rapture comes out at the end of this month, so mm-hmm. between Rapture and Exo Three, that might help. But I mean, other than that, I don't, there's not going to be really anything else uh, pushing the sales for the month. I could be wrong. Let's see. I'm, let, yeah. me, let me look at and see what's coming out. Faith. Uh, that's really sunk pretty quickly. Eternal Warrior. That's a one shot. Okay. Britannia. The last issue of Ninjak. I don't think that's going to do very well because um, it's the last issue. And you got yeah. It's not. It's not the last issue of an arc. It's uh. It's its own thing, and it's yep. kind of like when they do, do the number twenty-five issues and have all the special stuff. I don't even know if that Ninjak. Are, are they doing anything like that, or is it just an issue? It's just a standalone issue. Yeah, that's that's not going to do well. Yep. And that Dan Parent cover is finally coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I think Adams had that for like a year or two, the original art. Um, so yeah, that's finally coming out. Yeah, I mean that's all I see. And then you had the uh, the Exomano or free comic book day special, which obviously there's not going to be a sales figure for because it's a free comic book day book. Um, although I heard that did really, really well, dude. It seems a lot of places were running out of that. I don't know if because they underordered or because interest was really high. Um, I'm going to assume the latter, judging by the sales of the book. So I think that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I haven't gotten mine yet. My shop uh, is holding me a copy. I had to work on Free Comic Book Day, and I haven't been able to get over there yet. But mm-hmm. I should be picking it up on Friday. So uh, I like... When they do what they did in in this, and they have original stories instead of a bunch of preview crap or something like that, um, mm-hmm. a lot. Of, it seems like a lot of publishers are kind of doing that. Like uh, the the Ninja Turtles free comic book day this year, and they didn't have one last year, but two years ago they did it, and it was a piece of the story, kind of in between the the arcs, yep. setting up like the next big thing coming. And it's it's good story. Like it's what would have come out in a, a, a month's issue basically. Uh, but the way they do it is at a point where if you don't get it, it's fine. Um, but uh, it, it's so much better. Cause then it really gives people a taste of something. And if, uh, if you're getting it anyways, it's something to be excited about and get you out there for a free comic book day instead of just being like, yeah, it's a, you know, a bunch of shit I don't care about and preview stuff of the stuff that I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go either. Um, Nick and I talked about this on, on Nerd Legion. Um, I had to work till about one or two. And after that, I was like, I don't feel like going all the way over there. So we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy instead. Um, but I, I do have a copy. Um, the, the digital one that was mailed out to us. And then I got a, I got a copy by now. And uh, the book is fine, you know. I don't think it's anything worth discussing. It didn't feel as substantive as previous years. 
because the EXO story was kind of like a, a short story about what happens before EXO one, how he made he meets his little uh, blue tail girlfriend, and then you had the uh, Bloodshot Salvation prologue, which is fine, but I had seen previews of it and. It was exactly what was in the previews because it was like a four or five page story. Um, and the, the weird thing, too, was they put the teasers in between, like inside the, the, the Bloodshed Salvation story. So it was like two pages and you have like two pages of ads and then the rest of the story. So that was a little odd. But uh, overall, it was good. I'm looking forward to that book based on what I saw. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, the teasers we had seen, it was Psylords, Harbinger Wars, and Secret Weapons, I think. Oh, there was a Secret Weapons story. I thought there was something. Oh, yeah, the Quantum and Woody teaser was at the end. Um, but yeah, it was fine. I think for for a new reader, it was probably good. Um, just there wasn't any anything substantial uh, this year. But uh, yeah, good times. That's all I got, man. I don't have anything else. Yeah, so a little, a little bit of a tangent. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy uh, the other day, just kind of fell into place, and I was able to go see it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I Like I've said before, uh, I tend to, especially with movies, if I'm going to watch them, I'm going into it to, tr- to enjoy it, so I'm not going to... I'm going to be likely to enjoy it, because I don't get to see movies very often, especially in the theater, so mm-hmm. um, you know, why not go in expecting to like it? But uh, when I when the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out, it was the same time that the Ninja Turtle movie came out, <laughs> and I had everybody literally telling me, "No, you shouldn't want to go see Ninja Turtles." When I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan, <laughs> you should want to go see Guardians. Not they weren't telling me they thought it was a better movie. They weren't telling me anything like no. They were actually telling me I shouldn't want what I want. I should want what they want. And I did not like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie because of it. Mm. I want to watch it again because I think I will like it now. But I literally did not like it because of that. And so, it's it's a mentality. We've talked about this before with, with Valiant fans. But whatever you're a fan of, um, the stupidest thing you could do if you want somebody to check out something that you want them to check out mm-hmm. is to tell them that it's better than what they like or what they like is wrong. <laughs> Or that it's the best thing, and you know, you, you have to actually think of how to approach people with it. You know, if somebody was trying to tell me I should go see Guardians of the Galaxy, they should give me reasons why, not okay. try to say that that what I like isn't worthwhile, so I should switch to what they like. That's just stupid. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. It's like I, I live in New England now. It's the kind of logic. Oh well, you, you should stop being a Forty ers fan. You should be a Patriots fan. It doesn't matter. I'm a fucking 49ers fan, not a Patriots fan. Like, it doesn't work that way. You don't just say, oh, no, I'm going to like this now because somebody else tells me I should. Right. So it just was something I was thinking about with seeing that because I really enjoyed the, that second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I did not enjoy the first one. That's because everybody was being a fucking asshole about it. Yep. And see, my thing was I didn't really like it too much the first time I watched it. But Zoe, my six-year-old, she loves Guardians of the Galaxy. So we watch it like once a month. I'm not even kidding. And that's that's not even that much. I would I would have expected more. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell she, her she's she, let me down. She would again. watch. She would watch it more. But I'm like, no, let's watch Lego Batman or something else, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, we actually watched it Friday, and and it was fine, you know. But yeah, I agree. I think the second one was uh, a little more enjoyable for me. I don't know what it was. It just it it felt a little more fun. Maybe I think it's be, you know, all those types of movies they suffer from uh, the the setup for you know the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know any of them suffer from it to some extent. I think some have done well with it. Like uh, I believe that from you know from what other people have said because I don't I, I know I've seen all of them but I don't really remember which is which or whatever but like the first Captain America movie I believe was the one that was the best one or was it the Winter Soldier was the best one Winter Soldier is the best one okay well the first one I think was pretty solid but it was still it was doing that it was it was all the the setup like who is Captain America sure. it just so happens I think with Captain America that the setup story is a much more interesting story than it is for a lot of things mm-hmm. you know like if I have to watch fucking Peter Parker become Spider-Man again one more goddamn time 
you know um it, it most stories suffer for that i mean we just talked about that with britannia where it's gonna affect how much they're able to do so the story that they can tell is going to be affected by it i think in britannia if anything it might be that they either should have taken longer with it to be able to let the story flow better mm-hmm. and not not have it constricted by the build-up you know by the the structuring of what's going on yeah right, right, right. and then some things do really well like divinity the way that they did it with divinity um I mean, you had to go into Divinity being like, I'm going to let go and not not be in control of understanding everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And some people can't handle that also. But uh, when you do it that way successfully, it's like so much more special of a thing. Because now you can go back and read Divinity and you're like, well, I know what's going on. This all makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. You know, but when you read it the first time, like you really have to be like, "Okay, I'm just going to trust Matt Matt Kent where he's going to take me. Yep. There you go. And can't we trust yeah, but I mean, like, Guardians 2 just got right into being pretty hilarious and uh, it, funny and action, like, right off the bat with it. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't have to set up who everybody was. The funniest thing is I didn't know who half the damn characters were that were in the first <laughs> movie. <laughs> like, Yondu, I was like, who, who the fuck is this guy? And after a while, I was like, oh, yeah, that, the guy that whistles at the arrow, that's right. And then as yeah. it went, I was like, oh, yeah, and, and this is why he matters. Like Nebula, my son, he loves uh, the the Marvel Sum Sums. Yep. And he got a Nebula Sum Sum. I had no idea who Nebula was. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. It's just this <laughs> little blue thing. Uh, and then so she shows up in the movie. I'm like, who the fuck is she? I don't know. But hey, I have an explanation for the Sum Sum now. <laughs> oh, man. I guess I'll plug a podcast then. Our, uh, our good buddy Jack from the Ultimate Marvel Podcast was deserted by Ronnie. And so uh, he had Jim from Collecting Valiant, who's a, a huge Star-Lord fan. Um, apparently he cosplays a Star-Lord. Didn't know this, but I learned about it in Collecting Valiant. Um, and then, of course, my podcast girlfriend, not wife, Nick Wetmore, he was on there. They talked about Guardians on the latest episode. So check that out if you want. Yeah, Star-Lord. You know, I, I, I enjoyed Chris Pratt more in this movie than I did in the first one. It's also more removed from him being like the the goofy fat guy from Parks and Recreation. Yeah, right, right, right. But uh, still, whenever he has to deliver a serious line, it's just like, nope, don't buy it. Uh, like when his uh, his god dad whatever was like, you'll just be normal like the rest of them, and his line is. And what's so wrong about that? <laughs> it's like, are you serious? <laughs> That's so lame. Uh, it's hilarious. not a cool line. It's not delivered believably. Uh, it just, yeah. I was like, yep, you still are Chris Pratt. <laughs> that oh, man. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but before we sign well, I guess maybe we should do the sign off and then I'll, I'll tell this other part. Cause it, yeah, yeah let's sign off. Diet. Don't forget to uh, do those reviews. I still haven't posted links on where you can do that. Being good at iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, MixCloud, SoundCloud, Player FM. I don't know. We're, pe- we're in places I didn't even know we were in. So um, I'll, I'll start looking at reviews this coming week. Remember, I'll be giving away a signed Jason David Frank Bloodshot Ninjak Valence of the Universe uh, Valiant Universe print. As well as a Exo Man of War number one cover flat. Only 75 of those are made. So get those reviews in. And uh, whoever sent the review to Collecting Valiant saying that their podcast was their new favorite and not VCP, you're not eligible for this contest. <laughs> You can find Paul on Twitter at Who's Paul. I'm at Geekvine. The show is at Valiant underscore Central. And, of course, we'll see you next week. So the news came out about the new Hellboy movie. Yes. Um, I haven't actually watched all of the, the two Hellboy movies in a very long time, and I watched them a long time before I read Hellboy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I've extensively read Hellboy now. Yes. And uh, 
I caught part of the first movie when I was out visiting in California last year at my sister's house because they were watching it. Yep. And it didn't take very much for me to be like this. This is like totally cheesed down Hellboy. Like it just I, I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't it's really book, think, you know. Yeah. Yes, it's it's not the book. It's not like I expect the movie to be exactly the book, but at the same time, like Ron Perlman, just like he screams Hellboy, like he nailed the character so well. Mm-hmm. Um, other elements, I have to watch them again. Uh, but I, I'm excited about the fact that there's going to be a new Hellboy movie. It's going to be made by somebody different, um, and it's going to be rated R, which. Yes. Uh, they always seem to push that fact in comic book movies because they want you to know it's going to be push boundaries and be edgy, just like you know Batman versus Superman, where there's no really, really no reason why that movie's rated R. Sure. Um, but or the the rated R cut, whatever the fuck they did. But uh, yeah, with Hellboy, like it makes sense because that move, like the the story, you know, there's not a lot of profanity or anything. Like, I mean, it's a dark horse book, so it's not like they even say the f word in the book. I don't think. Um, I don't think Dark Horse does. I think they usually don't go past shit. Yeah, but anyways, so. uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff there that can make it a rated R movie, just violence and that kind of stuff wise. Um, but I'm excited about it to get a different take that's less campy because that was one of the things about the older movies is they have kind of a little bit of a campier feel to them. But mm-hmm. anyways, I was telling uh, telling JC there that he was wrong to like them. We're we're like we need to make a podcast about this, and I gotta watch them again because I I honestly like I could watch them and enjoy them totally. It was just like a little snippet I saw before, but uh, yeah, I, I still enjoyed just telling him, nope, you're wrong to like those; they're terrible. Move yeah, on. No, I, I dig them. I dig them. I own both of them. So, uh, but yeah, yeah it's, I've been, it's been a while since I've seen them. You're right. I think it's been a couple years. Yeah, I, they're on Netflix, or at least they were the last time I looked. Oh, okay. uh, so I just got to give them a, a watch, but um, I mean, like I said, just that little bit I saw. It's like they, I mean, yeah, in the Hellboy series, there's uh, you know periods of the story where he's. I mean, they have stories where he's a child in it. They definitely have stories where he's basically a teenager. Yep. But the way they present him in the book, or not in the book, in the movie, is much more like a, a brooding. Romantic, you know, like uh, he's romantic. In, first of all, in, in the book, he has no romantic relationship with. Uh, I'm forgetting the character's name, but you know the character I'm talking yeah, about. Blair's character. Yeah, n- none. Like that. That doesn't exist in the in the book. Yep. In the book, they have a, a relationship, and there's love there, but it's more like loving your sister, like it's somebody you're very close to. You know, yep. it's family. Um, so I just like I didn't really like that they did that. I think that's a big part that turned me off is that not only that they added a romantic relationship that wasn't there, but they made him like uh, an overly aggressive, moody teenager, like trying to stake his claim to territory kind of a thing was the impression I got from the little bit I watched. I was like, that's to me that that is really like taking the the character of Hellboy because even at a. At, you know, he he grows at a faster rate and, and all that. So like when he's a teenager, he he's had a much higher level of responsibility and done things that people don't do. So he may be a teenager in regards, but his responsibility level is, is much higher. And I just thought making him like, you know, this cheesy kid kind of a character. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't like that. Liz, that's her character. Uh, yeah. So the first one's on Netflix. The second one's not. And I think the second one was actually better than the first one. <sighs> we'll find out. I'm sure I could buy it for like five bucks at Walmart or something. Oh, I'm sure. I'll send it <laughs> to you. I think I got. Uh, I can send you a copy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Let me skedaddle. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm relaunching. I am Gotham with Daryl tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You should watch. Uh, you don't have Hulu, do you? No, but I think I have a, a longer free trial offer that I'm going to try because we got a, an Amazon Fire Stick, and I'm wondering if it'll uh, work better on that. Yeah, because we were uh, using it on use a uh, email address. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I tried a free trial, but it was on our Blu-ray player, and the app sucked. I mean, yeah, totally yeah. fucking sucked. Like it was so bad, I don't get how people could use Hulu if it's that shitty. Uh, but I, one thing I've definitely learned is every device the app is different. So, so, you know, on some devices, things will work really great. And on other ones, they're pieces of shit. I don't know why 
you know, these companies wouldn't want an even experience across different platforms, but apparently they don't. Yep. Well, anyways, I watched uh, Batman and Bill. It's uh, like the story about trying to get Bill Finger credit for co-creating Batman. Yeah, I've heard about that. that if really if I do get sad, a, dude. yeah, I'll have to check that out. That that's something that I, I'm sure is worth a watch. Yeah, I I kind of cried in a couple spots. I was like, fuck. Luckily, there was nobody <laughs> else in the house, so it was okay. <laughs> sure, it was. All right, let me skedaddle. All right, later. later. I decided I don't want to read Preacher anymore. That's new. Why not? Well, I started, so I read the first volume, which the the newer printings, uh, it's, when I read it before, the first trade was like two-thirds of the first trade that I read now. Mm -hmm. So this trade was like three arcs, and it went through, uh, you're pretty familiar with Preacher? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It went through the arc where he goes back home. Or when he gets taken back home and his yeah. family's psycho, they kill his great. Like, that was a great arc. Yeah. Um, That's the best arc. So, I. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I. Rereading the first two arcs, I enjoyed it again. But that third arc was definitely like, this is really good. So, I was, I was looking forward to getting the next volume. And then I start reading it, and it's just full of yeah! just. Like, Reagan! the hell is all that? They're playing Words with Friends or something. And it's getting pretty heated. Yeah. <laughs> that game is so, like, four years ago. I know, that's what I keep telling them. They're so 90s. <laughs> it just, yeah, but so getting into the, the next volume, which is basically like the fourth story arc, I guess. It just got so nasty. I like all this sex stuff. You know, I've always been a little iffy with it, with uh, like all the blasphemy, basically, because mm-hmm. um, it's very, you know, very blasphemous. And usually, I, I prefer to stay away from stuff that's like heavy into religious stuff. In any way, you know, I, it's one thing to have religious overtones. It's another thing to have a book that's like heavily like fuck God and you know, really just out there like that. Yeah, but I mean, that, um, that's the core of the character, though. Well, exactly. And that's why I've always had reservations about really getting into Preacher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I overlooked that and got past that. But then you get into this, this second trade here, and there's the guy who's working his way through fucking every kind of animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's, like, the sex detectives. And the guy's going on and on about how if they don't get the guy's heroin or whatever back, then he's gonna, you know, basically be washing cum out of his mouth every day. Like, it just got to the point where I was like, this, this isn't entertaining to me. This is just disgusting. <laughs> and it, it, it just lost me. It's like it put too much nastiness in there. That's what's turned me off about uh, books like uh, like Tokyo Ghost. There was a lot I liked about Tokyo Ghost, mm-hmm. and they just threw all this nasty shit like that in there. And it's just, it, it takes me out of the stuff that I enjoy. And it's the kind of thing that, like, if I left that lying around and, I mean, Sam's too young now, but, like, it's the kind of thing that if somebody else picked it up, is like, what the fuck is this? I'd be embarrassed by it because it's disgusting. Sure. So it, it just, there's a certain threshold with me. And it just, like, it crossed the point of it being uh, redeemable, I guess, pretty much. I gotcha. I mean, that's fair. It's not your Which, book. You don't have to read it. Yeah, exactly. Not everything's for everybody. And I have almost never really liked uh, Enos. I like some of his stuff. I like Preacher. Not all of it, though. Um, I like the arc when he goes back home. And I like the one um, where... What is that? The serial killer? That one was pretty good. Like, they got a New York or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a good. And that's, that's all in that first trade, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the the one with the serial killer was the second arc in that trade. Yep. Um, yeah. And there there may be good stuff later, but the just the fact of the matter is I don't want to trudge through all the other stuff. And one thing that's always a factor with me is if something like makes me feel bad to read it, to watch it, whatever. Like if it just I don't have time to feel bad. So whether you know some things are just like they're so depressing or whatever, that, and there's like nothing really redeemable there that it's. 
it, I don't have time to feel like that. You know, I don't have time to. I think that's usually more with movies where you watch a movie and you just feel like shit afterwards. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. So, and with book, with you know, reading a book or something, it's it's more like one, it has to be entertaining enough. But then the other thing is like it if it's just full of a bunch of shit where I just feel like I'm you know slot sloshing through you know filth to try to find what's good. It's just not worth it. Yeah, that's funny because uh, my wife is watching. She found a list of like the most disturbing movies, uh, like ever made or something, and she's been watching them. She's like, they're not disturbing; they're just stupid. <laughs> See a lot, a lot of things, especially when you have a list like that. A lot of times, the this is the most of this thing. It's it's people who don't really truck in that, and mm-hmm. they're trying to. Well, this if you think of it this way, then it's so disturbing. It's like oh, no. <laughs> that's thing. Like I, I, that's why I don't like horror movies. Um, it's like a psychological horror movie is one thing. I love that. Sure. But when it's like when it's gore, you know, no, I, I don't want that. Like it doesn't make me feel good. It just makes me feel bad. Some people like that. That's fine. It's just not my thing. Mm. That's one of the problems that I have with, uh, with preacher and with basically anything Steve Dillon does the art for is it's it's always excessively graphic mm-hmm. and that's it, kind of his you know he has a style to it that's unique but it's just like i don't like it like i'm not a big fan of his art in general and i'm not a fan of the excessively graphic stuff mm. that's like uh gill and march i just got monica um i can't remember who the writer is but the artist gill and march and he i love his art style but that's a, that's a dirty ass book, and I should have known better because I got it at the recommendation of Mike, and you know Mike loves the penis. <laughs> yeah, I I saw when he posted something about that, and for some reason it had like caught my attention before. Oh, can you hold on a second? Yeah, yeah. I'll be right back.
Okay, I think he's down for good now. Okay. <sighs> so do we, do we want to just start the the podcast now? Yeah, let's start. I liked our pre-show banter. I actually think we should tie that into talking about Valiant tonight. I'll put that in the after show. All right. Or I'll just send it to Sparkman and let him decide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>